0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for another beautiful day. I thank you for a wonderful time last night when this wonderful church uh, honored me for, for um, years of service here. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, for for such an uh, extended time and pray, Lord, for, for years ahead. We pray for uh, a, a revival at our church as we have for years. We pray, Lord, for many people who don't know you to come to faith. We pray that we would be the instruments of bringing the gospel to them and be able to rejoice with them as they find new life in you. Lord, we also pray that we would uh, together uh, grow deeper into our faith, into a life of faith. Lord, we pray that as we uh, continue to study the catechism in this, this passage, this, this uh, stretch of the Ten Commandments, Lord, thinking about how now do we live, having been bought by the blood of Jesus, that you would convict us of sin where we need to be convicted, Lord. Encourage us through your Spirit. Guide us, lead us, show us how we can uh, live with the very same uh, mind in us that was in Christ Jesus, Uh, humbly, righteously, with a singular laser goal of glorifying you uh, and knowing you and enjoying you forever forever. Lord, we want to know you and serve you and love you as we were created to do. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I left with a thought for you and you didn't think about it because it was 2 weeks ago. Um, we looked at 2nd Samuel 15. I don't think we read it, so somebody flip over to that.
1: 2nd Samuel 15. I've I read it now.
0: <sighs> Pathetic. That reminds me of uh, issue I had with my shirts, my regular shirts. You know, I mentioned Absalom. Oh, Absalom! Absalom! If you have seen Ron's Gone Wrong, it's a name that's got some cachet today. Welcome, Absalom. You like the shirt? You see, my shirt was getting caught on my belly. 12. And I was subconsciously... 12. 12. I'm, not, I'm not editing that out either. People, people all around the country listen to our classes and they're going to be confused. They're going to be like, what's his shirt? What's going on? Why is that a joke? Second Samuel 15, 1-6. to I hear
2: you. Let's hear it. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when any man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land, that then every man with a dispute or cause might come to me. And I would give him justice. Uh, And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. Thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel.
0: I know obviously why David is so sad when his son dies, but if anybody was begging for three javelin right through the heart, it was this guy. Oh, there's nobody. I wish I was judge in Israel. That last verse, though, is what we're focused on. The eighth commandment, of course, is thou shalt not steal. steal. And what did Absalom steal? The hearts, the hearts of the people. Is that a breaking of the eighth commandment, or are we taking a, I'm being cute here, and taking a figurative use of, of steel and turning it into a literal use? He's breaking some commandment here. He's obviously not honoring yeah. his father, so what he's breaking saying, the the fifth commandment. It's
1: almost like a combination of that stealing and um, coveting. He's
0: mm. coveting
1: power.: either.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: Is it Most yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. It may be that there wasn't anyone designated to hear
1: So it might have been true, but the spirit in which it was spoken about was you know to twist something to,
0: to steal yeah. yeah well and i mean you could you could say i work for the cable company to get into someone's house and steal and whether it's true or not either you're compounding that with a lie but you're you're definitely breaking the eighth commandment i think he certainly is breaking the eighth oh. commandment he's he's yeah. he's breaking a few here but stealing the hearts of men is not a way that we usually talk about the eighth yeah. commandment i don't think but this can happen in a way that feels innocent, right? Someone at work, you want to kind of supplant, you try and kind of not make them look bad so much as just bad by comparison. Your motives become very much uh, dethrone them in the eyes of the boss and you know, steal their, their position. Uh, this can happen with a marriage. Someone tries to steal the affections uh, from a spouse, um, ironically showing themselves to be the worst kind of person, but maybe successful in that, you have to be careful of stealing things that are not tangible. We talked a little last week about stealing um, digital stuff and I was, and I was uh, like, yeah, let's talk about stealing books and somebody brought up music and I thought, yeah, let's talk about music and then someone brought up articles that have a paywall and I was like, let's stop talking about this. Um, Laughter That's a thing that occasionally I find myself doing and again, not even thinking about it because it's real easy, but it's real wrong. Is this something that uh, you've ever either been the victim of or realized you were the perpetrator of this kind of uh, theft of affection or uh, loyalty? I guess not. Just be on guard, I guess, on that one.
2: Uh, I yeah. Consider it, it might, um, obviously, more as a victim of it, you know? Um, so, yeah. People, uh, it it's seems not like bad. they turn well, someone against weird. you, you know?
0: Right? Uh huh, yeah, yeah. You see you doing that as well, yeah. Yeah, what's, what's being described as stealing the hearts of men is not just like, I mean, everyone wants friends. And, and you know, like, like for example, um, when I hear Alex talk about other friends that he has, that just makes me mad. I don't like that It's I'm very possessive. <laughs> But it's okay for Alex to have other friends, but if you're in the process trying to turn others against someone Yeah, that that seems to be what Absalom wants to do, right? Is I want to take the rightful uh, Allegiance that this person has to David as their king and just kind of shift it over through I don't know it's kind of a combination long con and just sleazeball kind of move and it works Right up until, again, he takes three javelin through the heart because he's kicking, stuck in the tree by the hair. Um, That's in my top five Old Testament deaths, by the way. It's just a, that's a doozy. Uh, But I think that uh, you see that kind of stuff at play in Jesus' ministry. They're worried that he is going to steal the hearts of the people from them they're not recognizing that they really belong to him because he's this longed-for messiah. Um, And you see how ugly things can get once we're kind of fighting over not a physical possession, but influence, power, uh, loyalty, close relationships. I mean, gosh, people start going from the Eighth Commandment to the the, uh, Sixth Commandment fairly quick sometimes. Um, and so it's it's a dangerous stuff uh, to start trafficking in in kind of stolen hearts. Ooh, I'm gonna write that down. Those are song lyrics for later. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't know. It sounds like it could be a novel. Stolen hearts. <laughs> well, you, you can use that if you no,
1: want. No, not a novel.
0: I would. No, not for <laughs> yours. I mean, if you're in you know, don't you guys no, do some okay. of those uh, bonnet fiction right. books? <laughs> but you have to have the trafficking in stolen hearts. That was makes it sounds like an '80s ballad. Like a white snake or something. All right, let's move on to uh, Romans thirteen seven and talk about something that's a lot more concrete, but maybe just as sensitive a topic. Say that
1: again.
0: Romans thirteen seven. Well, they do that. Uh, maybe somebody else flip over to Leviticus nineteen. Most of our life verses are in Leviticus nineteen, so it probably is already marked. Who's got that Romans thirteen? 13.7? Yeah. Uh,
1: render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What you got there? It's a weird one. <laughs> it's a it's the New American Standard, but it's not the 1901.
0: 1901 would just be the American Standard version. Okay. New, American. New American
1: Standard. This, the ESV is similar. Um Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. I like that better.
0: They both say the same thing. Um, there is a sense that you owe something, and throughout the Old Testament law and through the New Testament, withholding what is owed is treated as a breaking of this commandment as well. You're stealing preemptively if you don't pay the wages that are due, if you don't pay the taxes that are due, and here, again, not unlike in Second Samuel 15, if you don't pay the honor that is due. There's a, a intertwining in several places of, of kind of the Eighth Commandment uh, and the Fifth Commandment, which, which requires us to um, honor all of those in authority over us. Calvin, you don't still remember any of that uh, Lutheran catechism, do you? Like a, a bit, not much though. Ah, uh, what a shame. What, what commandment is honor your mother and father? The fourth. The fourth in the Lutheran rendering. And there's two, that like the, the tenth commandment. Yeah, they split them. Why? We can talk about that later. <laughs> I have a, a cynical version and a non cynical reason. <laughs> but uh, the fourth command. what is the fourth commandment?
1: Honor your father and mother.
0: And what does this mean? Oh, so he doesn't. He doesn't have it. Okay. He didn't
1: memorize the explanation.
0: He did, though. He said it to me several times when he was littler and and learning those things. Um. So let's uh, let's jump into Leviticus nineteen thirteen to sixteen, and then we'll talk a little bit about this this concept. Everybody was in
1: Romans apparently. Yeah.
0: Leviticus. It's the third book of the Bible. Nineteen one through. 13 to
1: 16. Okay, I got it. Uh, You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the
0: Lord. Now, this then gets into the ninth commandment, the next one as well, but you can almost not quite mark the spot where it transitions from one to the other. This is listed as one of the proof texts in the catechism, and it talks about withholding wages that are owed, calling that, putting that under the umbrella of robbing your neighbor. It also then expounding on the idea of robbing your neighbor forbids doing a justice in, in court um, and not being partial to the uh, poor or deferring to the great. So this notion of giving everyone what they're due, which is going to be reiterated in Romans 13, comes from the law it's codified in the Old Testament law how do we see this today do you think uh, becoming an issue I mean when, when it's sussed out in the Old Testament they talk about you know when if you take someone's cloak you know their their tunic as collateral give it back to them at night so they can have a warm blanket and we can't relate to that how does it look in, in modern washing wages ooh okay what about it?
1: That seems like it fits under that umbrella. You're withholding something that somebody earned. Yeah, but they apparently didn't honor their debt to you in <laughs> the first
2: place. Right. It's getting
0: Double really theft. gray in here. <coughs> Does the one theft justify the other? Usually, I mean, isn't the garnishing of wages usually the the government because of non-payment of taxes?
1: Right. So then you're already stealing from them. Right. So right. Um, hmm. let's move
0: Child support too, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so it would be a judgment by a court.
1: Right.
0: And so, I, I don't know, you, you also run into, more and more I do, the taxation is theft crowd, who would say demanding the payment of tax, uh, taxes is is stealing, whereas Jesus seemed to be more on the side of the Old Testament and God's law saying the not paying of taxes is stealing uh, in Romans thirteen seven and elsewhere.
1: Um, well, what about even the way somebody who let's say somebody who owns a business, there's so many different ways in which you could be fair or unfair to your workers or your shareholders or whoever, but like people who hide money in places that it can't be taxed, people who exploit loopholes, people who um, you know get rich, 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 richer and their employees just get barely cost of living wages, uh, raises, you know, that sort of thing. They can't hear
0: the nod on the... On I'm the, looking around to see if anyone <laughs> is going to engage you. That was a lot. Loopholes in uh, the... So
1: <laughs> Anytime you're kind of sneaking around trying to get away with something, isn't that... Yeah.
0: Kind of a clue that
1: you're stealing? What
0: was that movie we watched with uh, Antonio Banderas? The
1: Laundromat.
0: Yeah, The Laundromat. Who was the other guy?
1: Uh... Oh, uh, Gar- Gary
0: Oldman. Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah, this was this goofy movie, and then it turned out to be a true story. And the reveal at the end was that the U.S. had far more shell corporations, like two states, two little states, than the rest of the world combined, more than you know, these Cayman Island things and all these things that people talk about. The U.S. was the haven for all this stuff. And uh, it was illegal... Sort of way for people to avoid paying taxes and pretending that this is a company that does things when really it's... Yeah, all that stuff seems to come back around and sink people, which is often an indicator that they've sinned because your sins will find you out and and ultimately...
1: But in the meantime, we still have all those other people who were...
0: Yeah, built out never of. Got yeah, so, so uh, it, a, it, it began with, and it's a true story, it began with a uh, boat that sank in, in Michigan, right? Or they were from Michigan, but they were in a lake yeah, it's on. A New um, this uh, pleasure cruise boat. It went down, and people died. And then when the, they went to get the insurance payout, they found out the insurance company didn't exist. It was just one of these shell corporations, and it was selling really, really cheap insurance because they, as soon as they had to the pay out, they would just tank the whole operation and move on and rename it and go somewhere else. Um, that kind of thing is obvious, breaking of the Eighth Commandment. But I think in America, we have a sort of love-hate relationship with this kind of overly clever bookmaking and... Yeah, because uh, you
1: also have st- tons of stories where those people are the heroes, the sort of sneaky yeah. people who are getting away with stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we love a good, a good story about someone who... Especially because... You know, if you're not taking anything but, but from the government or from, you know, that, that bank is insured anyway or whatever, I'm just a little guy getting... But most of the examples we've gotten here have included both the little guy stealing from the big guy and vice versa. And when he talks about uh, doing injustice in court, it has to do with, with deferring to the poor or to the great.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting how that's connected to, to this discussion, because you you've, you could then say, like, well, you know, anything's justified if I'm, if I'm poor and I'm stealing. Right. But no, it's not, because it's still against the law.
0: There's the classic uh, ethical case study of if you're starving and you steal bread, is it still wrong? Um, well, is it?
1: Yes, and. Or yes, but. Yes, it's still wrong, it's still against the law, but that law may also be unjust, but it's still wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there's, there's also sin involved in the society where you're...
1: Right, the fact that you're starving, there's something else that's wrong.
0: Um, unless it's simply because you are lazy and right. don't want to work. But yeah, if you're in a, in a system that hasn't made allowances for the poor, uh, that they, so that they won't die, uh, then... I, I don't know that... Uh, no, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. We're gonna go. I, I almost just took us down some kind of political wormhole, which would have been <laughs> bad news. Uh, let me read 1 Peter three thirteen to 18. I think it gets to the heart of kind of a lot of these issues. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The notion that tied into this notion, this idea of apologetics, me showing you the reason I have for the hope that I have within, is also my own integrity and my own life so that if believers are slandered, those who know the believers will, will say, well, that's shameful what you just said. I know these people and they don't have any double dealings. They don't steal. They don't cheat. Uh, that will help bolster the gospel and it will uh, adorn your presentation of the gospel and make it more appealing to the unbeliever. But the opposite is probably even more powerful when somebody's got the little fish in the verse on their business card and they cheat you uh, when they come to do some work or they inflate, you know, the this surcharge or it's a lawyer and, and they're known for their work in the faith community and they rub shoulders with all the right people but when you talk to them on the phone for 13 minutes, suddenly you're billed for an hour. This kind of thing has a horrible effect on the witness of the church. And so when we think about breaking a commandment, and I think especially these that have to do with honesty, this one and the next one, um, we, wanna, we, we don't want to think about how can I get away with it? When we're thinking of breaking commandments, we want to think about what will the world see and what does God see and how is this reflecting a, a pure heart inside of me? Blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, This is a great verse for any moral conundrum we might be in, because it applies to all of them. Uh, Not only can I do this without strictly breaking an overt rule laid out in the Bible, but if I do this this way, is the world going to think more or less of the Jesus that I proclaim, that they know that I serve, now, if they don't know that you serve Jesus, those in in your orbit, that's a whole other problem. But if they do know it, and I mean, that, honestly, this is why I don't have any Christian bumper stickers on my car anymore. I kept finding myself like going, oh, crud, Lord, sorry, I was just a jerk. And then going, ah, but I can't apologize to the guy in that car. <laughs> I, this is the one area of my life where I seem to have little traction. Um, yeah, they're like, you've been here... S- 16 years now, and that's still your go-to example?
2: <laughs> Mine too.
0: <laughs> Having a real little kid was helpful, but now that he like, <laughs> will comment on the other drivers doing jerky things, it, it's lost its power. <laughs> what about uh, the notion of them just being party to theft or looking the other way? Um, we could look at Psalm 50. Uh, if someone wants to sl- switch, switch, uh, flip over to there, and then uh, Proverbs 24, uh, 24 24. There are a number of passages about the wise and upright uh, not being even kind of second hand party to um, the double dealings. What's uh, the verses in Psalm? Psalm 50.18.
1: If you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you keep company with adulterers.
0: That also reminds us of Psalm 1-1, right? Not to be in the, the council of the, the wicked, not to be amongst the, the scoffers. What about Proverbs twenty You're right there, Aaron, or somebody else. Proverbs 24-24.
1: Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations.
0: Now, if you know of theft happening, as a Christian, are you honor-bound to address it, report it? Say, you're at uh, that pappy factory where all that really, really expensive bourbon got stolen Remember this? No. They thought it was a big heist, millions of dollars of uh, of bourbon stolen all at once, and then they realized it was just people walking out with a bottle here, a bottle there, a case here to sell on the side or to give to their like friends. People worked there? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it had started when it wasn't all that valuable, but it, when, when bourbon was just something that like hillbillies drank, and then it became a hipster thing, and it got more and more and more and more and more expensive, and it turned into this huge theft. People went to prison, and it it became a uh, national story, because it was this heist that happened in sort of trickling in slow motion, but everyone was sort of in the know. Everyone knew whether they did it themselves or not. Mm. Around here, it's not uncommon to see someone back their pickup truck to the door and grab a case and put it there, and we don't do enough audits. And then at one point, they were like, this this area is worth millions. Get out the clipboard and do a count. And they, they said, wow, mm. someone just cleaned us out. We lost all this stuff. Who's culpable there? Just the people doing it? Or is there a responsibility for someone who's a follower of Christ to, I don't want to say tattle, but uh, bring that to the attention of those who are being wronged? Sean, I can tell that you think this is a funny question, so I want well, your take I have on the
1: a story. That... Okay. I used to work at the Liquor Control Commission,
2: and my mother got me the job, and I worked at night and I came to work when people were leaving and my mother was there and we're standing at the top of the stairs and all these guys are coming out of the the warehouse and they all have brown bags in their hands and
0: my mom said isn't it nice they all bring their lunch (laughs) oh that's so sweet (laughs) and they were not bringing their lunch their their wives (laughs) packed them a nice lunch everybody
2: had a bottle of something
0: Richard mentioned the same thing from when he, he worked. That was that. Now that was stuff that was seized, probably right. So no, this was they. No, this was. Oh, okay. The liquor commission. Had, I mean, every drop of alcohol that came into the state had to go through this building. Oh, oh, wow. And they yeah, were just was, skimming right off yeah, the. Yeah, they were just.
2: I know. That's interesting.
0: Under that's Dave interesting. Marvin, I'm sure that's no longer <laughs> happening. Well, but.
2: It, under uh, John Engler, they dissolved. the that part of the liquor control. I thing. see. Now
1: the alcohol goes straight from the producer to the store. That makes and a little more sense. Taxed. Like what? What would they do with it there besides? Well, they put our, our stamp <laughs> on it.
2: Take a little bit. Oh, and the okay. sure was taxed. And, okay.
0: and it, you know, it was a prohibition thing. It, right after prohibition, wow. they mm. opened up. Fine, they started huh? the liquor control commission. You're telling me that prohibition led to something shady? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Huh? Did you ever? Say anything to anyone about that? No. Did it ever bother you that event, you didn't? I uh, enjoyed a few of those perks. Myself. Ah. <laughs> it makes you think of like on a, a bad cop show where like if you don't take a little kickback, a little of the cream, everyone is Nobody suspicious discusses. of you. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get in on it, or the other dirty cops aren't gonna. And there's always you know the one who simply will not because he's absolutely untaintable in his in his character, unimpeachable. Uh, it is an easy way to, you know, not be liked. To be the one who's always saying, "Wait a minute, that's not right." Yeah. And it brings me back again. To the the question is: This incumbent upon Christians to be the the Allison. Allison is Aaron's sister, and I, I have known her since we were both in first grade. And that's what she did all the time. You're not allowed to do that. I'm telling Mrs. Grew.
1: We're
0: friends now. <laughs> These forty years later, but it was a it was a turbulent twenty some years.
1: It it sounds like the answer is yes. You would be incumbent. It would be incumbent on you to say that, <coughs> and that probably wouldn't make you very popular.
0: Did any of these scripture verses actually say that? Not to approve of, not to spend time with. But are you are you home monitor for everyone? It's
1: hard because-
0: it does. It's hard because
2: you know if you want to share the gospel with people and help turn their life around, you have to be around them. You right? you're
0: around them very long, if you're writing them out all the time, right? <laughs> you're like, listen, I just turned you in, but when you get out of jail, I want <laughs> to share the gospel <laughs> with you. Thank me later. Now, if I think, of course, the and we're going to get to the question in the Catechism are all sins equally you know odious to God, but it, it can be a question of, you know, did this person murder someone, then part of sharing the gospel probably is you need to go turn yourself in. But if they have a past littered with, you know, shoplifting every day because that scratches their itch, do I need to say, okay, well, now that I am, have this information, I need to go to every store and tell them and you need to come <laughs> with me and we need to... Or, or is there a certain point at which it's under the blood of Jesus, it's behind you and... You know, or it's not yet under the blood of Jesus and I want it to be, uh, Jesus doesn't seem to have, like Zacchaeus unprompted says, I am going to pay back everyone three times what I what I stole. He had been breaking the Eighth Commandment as a lifestyle. Levi, undoubtedly, here or there, I guess I can't say undoubtedly, but he would have been the only Roman tax collector not to do this, took more than was needed, added his own little surcharges, blah, 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 and When they come to John the Baptist and they say, you know, how do we repent? What does he say? Oh, it took forever to find that last time. It's in Luke. Does he say you've got to go back uh, and, yeah, so that that you're in the poor house? Or does he say going forward, start living a life that is honoring to God? Here's what he says. This is uh, Luke 3, 10 and following. Actually, no, let me read the, the fire stuff first. Starting where? Uh, seven. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What shall we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food do the same. Tax collectors should also... I'm sorry, tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't falsely accuse people. Be content with your pay. So he's telling them... I I think that there's there's probably the room for the moving of the Holy Spirit in this, but he's telling them from this point forward, repenting means turning away from the sins in your past. Uh, Jesus has covered them, but I don't see anywhere where we're all required to go like in the 12 steps and make amends for every sin. It's almost a double jeopardy kind of situation. If something remains outstanding, I think the Holy Spirit will convict you though. If, you know, I, in fact, I've heard a lot of stories like that. If you think of it, is there a statute of limitations on this sort of thing when i was in college i had a friend mark and another friend eric and we had a band and the band was called dead ostrich um, and uh, it was terrible if you'd like a cd i still have a lot of them and i'll bring some next week uh, but my buddy mark and i were really good friends we were roommates after we moved off campus and stuff we, we were we were really tight and then eric was this Kind of weird guy, Uh, unusual cat. And he lived upstairs in a different room with a different guy. And one day we went in his room and borrowed his fuzz pedal, which is the pedal you plug your guitar into it and you plug that into an amp and it makes it sound, you know, dirty, grungy, instead of a clean sound. And we did that because we were going to Kelvin College and sitting on the roof of his car and playing our guitars through the car's sound system. I don't remember why. Not, not important. A couple days later, he said, have you guys seen my fuzz pedal? And we were like, oh, crud, we took that. We didn't ask. I don't know where it is. And we looked and looked and looked and looked and we looked in his car and we looked in our rooms and, and we were like, I don't know where it is. And we had told him, no, we haven't seen it. So we lied. And then we never brought it up again. We didn't buy him a new one. And, and we were all in the band together. And so we watched him like come to our little practices without it for a while. And then one day he just had another one. It probably cost 120 bucks or something, which to a college kid in 1996 is expensive. So about a year ago, out of nowhere, I remembered that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was really awful. I never apologized. I never made that right. I never did anything. Now granted, this is after I was saved. And maybe there's something to be said for that too. but uh, I, I Facebook messaged him and I just confessed the whole thing because for like several days, I felt really terrible about this thing that I'd done long ago. And what was beautiful was he said, That's hilarious. I don't want you to buy me a new fuzz pedal. I have everything I need. You know, he's, he's like a wonderful musician, voice of an angel. Uh, and he undoubtedly has far better equipment now. He's like, but... I'm going to tell this story tomorrow in my Sunday school class because I think it's just a beautiful example of the Holy Spirit bringing brothers together and and making sure that there's no sin between us and stuff. And it was a wonderful experience. It could, though, have gone a very different way if it would have been someone who had become more of a jerk in the intervening years. Uh, It could have become... It could have even been like somebody who says, well, yeah, you're a pastor. I'm going to tell your people that you steal things. I mean, it, it, it's not necessary that it would have gone that way. But it did actually become a way for God to be lifted up and glorified, the Holy Spirit to kind of uh, further refine me. Not to say I've dealt with all my present sins and we've worked our way through the law all the way back to the 90s. That's not the case. <laughs> but, but I think that you have to just trust and follow the leading of the Spirit in these things. Um, certainly there are sins that are private sins and, and we can simply say greedy or lustful thoughts or hatred or um, you know whatever I did in the past that's under the blood of Jesus and there's it's just between me and God and it's forgiven and I don't want to keep on thinking about it and bringing it up in my mind but what about if years ago you were very lazy and milked the clock for a few months and didn't put in a good day's work and a fair day's uh, labor and still cash those paychecks. How on earth do you go back and even r- reckon what you owe or figure it out? It's, it's a really um, murky area. I think that grace has definitely got to be the core of it and recognizing that, that we're forgiven and following the leading of the Spirit. Uh, anyone here have any experience with that sort of, that sort of thing? Especially in in having broken the eighth commandment, realizing it, and having to consider whether or not to act on that. Yeah, but I'm not going to tell a story. Okay.
1: One story per day.
0: This story will not be told. I think
2: about like the holidays coming up. You know, what are we going to hear around the Thanksgiving table? What are we going to hear around the Christmas table with our family, the extended family, and in every little instance you hear, oh, you know, I got over on my employer, or or I, I, I got this one over on on uh, the state. You know, is it important for us? You know, what do we do in those situations?
1: Like when you're hearing somebody else tell a story, right?
2: Right. You're like, well, I'm not going to do that. what do you do? You know I mean? I think obviously what you can do is start with living somewhat righteously to the best of your ability yourself and just show it up and say, try to show, let people see your way of living, you know, if it's at least, you know, all right. But then what, how far do you go after that? You know, I don't know. It's a tough question.
0: Yeah. yeah he- what, you
2: know, you, you, you might end a relationship for a long time and then, then have you done better or worse yeah, for like, the kingdom is that better in that than, case right. yeah. you, might, you might have done worse for the kingdom if you would have just been persistent in showing up and showing you know, there's think, a better way or whatever.
1: or I think in situations like that it's not always about the 8th commandment but you know, if, if somebody assumes that you're a particular way or you're going to find something funny that they find funny or you're, you're going to track with whatever they're saying and you kind of don't usually you can see them notice that and be like, oh, and maybe they don't know why, or, or, hopefully, they know that you're a Christian. But, like, I think that just not, like, uh, giving into the desire to be like in you know, on the thing or you know be part of the fun, joke or whatever, is, is like the baseline of what you do. And I don't know that you would necessarily with everyone do much more than that. But I think just showing like, yeah, this isn't really funny to me.
0: And certainly, using the law as the mirror to show people their need for a Savior is part of proclaiming the gospel. Jesus always does it. Uh, mm-hmm. The gospels seem to almost always do it. But you, you have to choose the moment. Right. Because you can't do that every time you interact with someone and say, let's just, <laughs> hey, it's me, the guy that goes over your sins with you all the time. Right. <laughs> um, and again, I think this Holy Spirit, uh, you've got to just ask God to give you the wisdom and the leading to know when to bring something like that to a head and when to to just be there for that person, like Jesus, who was a friend of sinners. Yeah. If you're a friend of sinners, yeah. it doesn't mean you're like always annoying sinners. Um, he listened to them, he, he spent time with them, he cared about them. Um, I have the two texts you might wanna write down. This is kind of two different uh, takes on the whole thing and I think it, it, they're both prompted from within by the, the moving of the spirit. Luke nineteen eight is where Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anyone out of anything I will pay back four times the amount. How could he
1: afford that? Because he'd stolen a lot. Dude, is so
0: rich. <laughs> yeah, he's, I guess, assuming uh, maybe he hasn't he cheated wasn't. that much. Or
1: maybe he made money on what he stole.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's he's grown the, the thing. Uh yeah. And maybe he's assuming everyone won't come back on the you know and take him up on the <laughs> offer. I don't know. Or maybe he's just speaking out of just the exuberance of of feeling know forgiven, and he's gonna you know, wish he hadn't said that. Uh, Ephesians 4:28. We just recently uh, were in this latter part of Ephesians uh, in Big People Church uh, on verse 28. He says, "He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need." Again, pointing you, even speaking to the saints, away from stealing toward giving, but not necessarily a yoke of the law. Saying at this point you must go back and uh, you know pay everyone back four times what you've stolen. Uh, I think there's it's it's one of those areas where I can't decide for you what you must do, and you can't for me. We have to surround ourselves with wise counsel and. Um, trust the leading of the Holy Spirit and let's skip that let's skip that what time is it? let let me read you a little flavel flave John Flavel his catechism on the catechism is spectacular extra credit reading what else is required in this commandment? there's always one of those give me some more Answer, it requires us not only to get and keep the things of the world in a lawful manner, but to distribute and communicate them to those who are in want and not cast them into temptations of sin or inevitable ruin. He quotes Isaiah 58.10, but I think that Ephesians 4 passage is all you would need because he says, if you're stealing, stop stealing. Instead, work hard and give. Um, That's the other side. You, You run away from stealing by being conscientious and having integrity. And also by giving and not viewing what you have as something of yours to hold tight to, but holding it loosely as an ambassador, saying, I have this in order to serve God and, and help others. Uh, if, Isaiah 58.10, by the way, it says, And if thou draw out the soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness to be as noonday. Right? First John 3.17 but whoso hath the world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the Lord of God in him? Open those bowels, you guys, on your neighbor. Um, certainly, it's uh, saying, if you, if you seal up your heart, we translate that word heart now, uh, splachna, even though it sounds like bowel, a bowel word, splachna. Um, The seat of the emotions is the heart for us. And so we would say, don't close down your heart if you see someone in need. If you do, how can God's love dwell in you? Um, And the question comes up, how do you know when someone's in need or just faking it? Again, you have to trust wisdom. And I'm going to be honest, there's a lady really chilling out on a, a real swank looking chair at a corner near my home.
1: And every time I
0: see her, I don't find myself going, oh, do you need me also to hand you a $40 or something out the car window? I think, maybe stop stealing, work with your hands and give to the poor. Um, The real poor, who I find in uh, my experience to be usually kind of loath to ask for help and and ashamed. Question, Flavel Flave. What else is required in this commandment? So his first question was, what else is required? His next question is, ah, but what else is required? <laughs> it requires in every man a public spirit to procure and promote the good and prosperity of others. Someone flip over to 1 Corinthians 10, 24. That this is... So So I think what he, he does with these what else is required things is what Jesus does with the law in the Sermon on the Mount. Like, if you're a believer... This shouldn't just be, where's the bar I have to barely clear. It should be, crank it up. Not in order to earn God's love, but because we have been forgiven, now we want to use this as the yardstick, the rule of life.
1: Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor.
0: And the King James says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. That's interesting. Whether the good of your neighbor in general, or the wealth. I don't have my Greek New Testament in front of me to to suss it out. All right, and then one more question from from John Flavel. Uh, What else is required in this commandment? (laughs) It requires restitution of all goods unjustly gotten or taken from others. And he points to Leviticus 6.4. Then it shall be, because he hath sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore that which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten. And the restoring of pawns and pledges where they are due. And he points to Ezekiel 187, "And hath not oppressed any and hath restored to the debtor his pledge. Uh, and that is, uh, of course, a big deal uh, when you might take something that someone needs for their livelihood and hold it in, as collateral, uh, whether it's their tunic, or their plow, or, or whatever. Uh, or things that are lost if we can discover the true owners. So he's taken us deep into this stuff. Now we're thinking about uh, you, you pick up the wallet, and there's no ID in it, or even you just pick up the $20 bill off the ground, and there are people around. Now, I once did a survey, just for fun, and found that in a room full of 40 people, 13 had just, just dropped a $20 bill. I figured this out by asking them quietly, Hey, did you just drop a $20 bill? And they, went, Oh yeah, I did. Thanks. Um, so that one might be hard to do, to determine, but if you can determine, if this is, belongs to someone else. I don't know, I, I, I've, I've known believers who are real quick to even buy something that they think might be stolen, but it's a good deal if we can figure out how to return property to the one who it rightfully belongs to, where we are required to do that, this Leviticus 6 thing, we're not under the Levitical law, the ceremonial law, uh, but you have to ask yourself, is this that or is this the moral law? When it says, if if you're found to have sinned and are guilty, restore the thing which was taken away. Now, this is talking about a formal setting in which you are found guilty here, but now the Holy Spirit finds us guilty and convicts us. We don't need the court to do that. Uh, Sometimes it would, but we don't need it as believers. And when that happens, it does seem to me like the thing to do, if if it is something that is current, is to restore everything. Now, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on, on this, But I, I don't know, I've not ever heard of a believer going to his boss and saying, listen, I got my paycheck just now, but I got to let you know, I was in my chair all day Friday, but there was a lot of mind sweeper going on and there was a lot of mind wandering going on. And I didn't give you a full day's work. So I think I need a different paycheck with a different amount on it. I have never heard of that. I think it would be a huge win in the witnessing department. Because it, at the same time as it says, oh, look, these Christians sin, it also shows a, this a huge integrity and that, that the Christian has a completely different heart because this is a, this is a crime you're going to get away with, no problem. This is probably not even technically a crime, but it's wrong. And I, I've struggled with this kind of thing uh, before. How do, you, how do you deal with uh, something that was deceitfully gotten if it was deceitfully gotten in a way that is acceptable broadly in the i mean if you're part of an industry where we're we're taking things as slow as possible in order to leech as much money from the public coffers or from a a client uh is that wrong is that something i need to repent of and does repenting as it seems to uh involve making it right, at least as far as I have gotten gain from it. All big, heavy things to hang over your head and say, let those weigh you down all week. <laughs> I, have a, I have a comment. Yeah.
2: I was talking to someone just recently about, um, they were saying that like uh, they worked at a retail outlet that sold clothing, and then they saw how much a particular item cost the actual production cost of the item mm. mm-hmm. and um, this was like a fancy mall store and the shirt was 12 cents
1: to, to, to make
2: to produce. Yeah, wow. so, right, so it's complicated because my response right, was like, oh yeah, you know, well, what? And then I thought what about all the other costs? But then I thought it's funny because you don't want to have like child or exploitive labor in third world countries, but at the same time, like increasing the economy actually lifts people out of poverty. So usually it's a more complicated story, is my point, Mm -hmm. than just like, oh, this, I know I'm doing it wrong. It's like, well, there are sometimes some good aspects of this thing and sometimes some bad aspects of this transaction that I'm engaging in, you know?
0: Well, when people start taking it to an extreme of like, uh, I'm not giving the person what is owed if there's someone along the line who's not getting paid a fair wage. So now I'm all for fair trade, Whatever we can do, um, but I think you fall into then like uh, anyone here watch the Good Place, very theological show. Yeah. They're in they're in heaven. Uh, Cheaty is one of the main characters, and he's convinced that he's going to go to hell when they discover that he found out that when you buy almond milk, what was it?
1: It was it was somehow exploitative.
0: Yeah, yeah, but he knew that, but he bought it anyway, or it hurt the oceans or something. I don't know. Um, and, and we start playing these games where. You're, you're almost consigning yourself to hell because of every little thing. And then what was interesting in that show, it was not based on a Christian cosmology or, or soteriology at all, but they determined at one point that because the world has become so enmeshed and globalized and everything you do involves so many other people that no one can get to heaven on their own because everybody is continually losing uh, virtue points with every little thing they do. And of course they had accidentally arrived at a biblical view where everyone is continually sinning and going to go to hell apart from uh, a huge influx of points from uh, infinity, infinity points from, from someone else. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel you where we, we could get so wrapped up in the minutia of our, of our lives yeah.
1: It's almost like y- you try not to learn too much about anything because once you know too much, then you're like, oh crap, well, I can't do that now, or I can't buy this now, or... That
0: too, though, hey, could be a dangerous road to go fine. down. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because one could say, well, my, uh, my hourly rate, I'm actually worth $1,000 an hour. They're stealing from me. Right, you could <laughs> say <"There laughs> I mean, like, what it? So, that. So I think that's why. That would have to be agreed <laughs> upon, I
0: suppose. But. <laughs> but yeah, right, so.
1: But I mean, the value of things is is all, you know, it's a moving target. It's what somebody will pay for it, right?
0: It's <laughs> moving faster and faster now with <laughs> NFTs and cryptocurrency and, like, so nothing's safe. worth a bunch of money.
1: But it is interesting to think of the, the context in which these um, things were written down being, like, you would... There were definitely trade routes. You wouldn't necessarily know who made everything you bought, mm-hmm. but you'd, there would be fewer people involved and certainly... There weren't these giant industries in general. Right. You know, maybe there were one or two that were big.
0: A lot closer uh, to here's some eggs. Okay, here's yes. a woven blanket you, and you some beads. Yeah. would know beads. the people yeah. that
1: you bought things from, and you would have a real relationship with them, and you wouldn't want to ruin it with exploiting them.
0: Yeah. The Old Testament law, when it when it uh, forbids the cheating and things and stealing, talks about your weights and measures being accurate, which just it, it, it seems so nostalgic and, and, and cute and, and quaint. Because it's so concrete yeah. and it's like, this is either, it either weighs a shekel or it doesn't. Yeah. Here we go. And, and then we start, you know, you, you, yeah, you, you've got a, a iPad and and did the platinum that that lines one little part inside really get purchased or was it stolen or was there slave labor involved? Right. And you've got to go, oh my goodness. I don't have the answer for you. And We're going to leave now in a minute <laughs> and I'm just going to leave you guys like. Stumbling out into the the <laughs> hallway, but uh, I think these are all important questions, and I think that the tendency to to say the less I know, the better, sometimes that makes sense. You know, there there's not incumbent on us to do spend our days doing research on everything. Uh, you know, like the hipsters who need to know like the the life story of every chicken they eat. But I do think that that can be a dangerous. thing, you know, know, see no evil, hear no evil, but benefit from evil.
1: But I think that's, that's one of the reasons I think you see a lot of people trying to have a lot simpler of a lifestyle because then you don't run into as many of those questions if I don't buy as many things, Mm -hmm. I don't buy things I don't need, I shop from people who actually have a store who I know, or I go to a farm and get something like that's. I think somebody trying to have a clear conscience about things that they can't otherwise control.
0: Another good reason to buy locally and and that kind of thing. Well, look at that. We're all good people, so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's close in prayer. Next week, we'll start with the Ninth Commandment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, the Eighth Commandment. We thank you that you have given us the Spirit, those uh, those who have put their faith in you and been born again, Lord, that we are convicted. We pray that we would not stick our head in the sand uh, and... and uh, ignore that, that conviction, that we would not um, try to get away with what we can get away with, Lord, but that we would be very honest, very upright, and have great integrity, not only because that reflects well on our, our witness, but also because it glorifies you. And and Lord, we, we don't want to grieve the Spirit. We don't want to offend a holy God uh, by living like uh, those who have no hope uh, in this sense. Uh, and, and Lord, we know that we don't need to steal anything. We, we, when we do, we, we show that we don't trust you to provide what we need each day for that day. Uh, we pray, Lord, with King Solomon, give us neither poverty nor riches. We want, Lord, to, to have what we need so that we would not be tempted to steal, but not so much that we would forget who you are. And Lord, uh, we pray that you would uh, just occupy that place in our hearts, that central place that everything we do is to your glory. And Lord, when we do fall, we pray that we wouldn't uh, get caught up in shame and guilt, but would confess our sins, make it right if we can with with anyone we've wronged, and then know that we are forgiven uh, and that we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and washed clean. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.